Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're talking about Star Wars Rebels, Season 2, Episodes 3 and 4. And again, it'll be myself, Matthew, with Riki and Sarah Hayashi. And before we dive into that, I just want to say a quick thing. As part of kind of end-of-the-year stuff, uh, I am doing a survey of all of our fans. Just a way to kind of get a sense from people who follow this podcast, follow my Superhero Ethics podcast, follow any other podcasts I'm on. I'd love to hear more from you as fans. What do you love? What do you not love? What do you want to see improved? What are things that would uh, you know encourage more listenership or perhaps even get you onto our Patreon or things like that? We'd love to get more of that. So uh, please, uh, if you get a moment, uh, please fill out this survey. It should just take a few seconds. You can go to it by the link that will be in the show notes for this episode. You can also go to it on our website. I will have a link right on the top of the website, theethicalpanda.com. It'll just take about like 30 seconds or so, fill out the survey. It'll be a great way to help us, help the podcast, and help you as listeners. So if you can, please do that. And if nothing else, we'll have a great episode for you right after this message. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to take a moment. Uh, in the last couple of days, we had a new person join our Patreon at the $5 uh, a month level. So Winston Gordon, thank you so very much. Uh, you are a huge part of what helps make these podcasts happen. It does take some uh, time and love, but honestly, there's some expenses that go into these. We always love having patrons. So Winston, thank you so much. Now you're going to get access to ad-free versions of all the episodes. Uh, you're going to get thanked again from time to time, and you will be getting a outtakes uh, uh, compilation from all of our episodes that will be going out probably sometime in the next week or two. So, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I didn't agree to that. If you had watched, looked at the Patreon, you would have seen that it's a thing. Uh, all, all identification will be changed. No one will know about the silly things that you've said. So you'll be fine. Uh, Winston, you have to sign an NDA when you get the, uh, uh outtakes, but anyway, so if other people want to check that out, just go to patreon.com and search for the ethical Panda. Uh, with that, though, uh, let's dive into these episodes. So, Riki and Sarah, other than um, being horrified that your outtakes will now be shared with the world, how are y'all doing tonight? I'm fine. Everything I say, everything that comes out of my mouth is just perfect. Mm-hmm. There you go. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah, definitely. I can confirm that. It's not. It's not. He's silly. Um, yeah, we're doing good. Kind of sleepy. That, like, holiday holiday push. If you like, you're a maker, I think you understand the mm-hmm. horror of like the first few weeks of December, <laughs> but yeah, hanging in there. How are you? It's true. Doing well, doing well. Um, in the same kind of boat. I love the holidays. It's my favorite time of the year. I love to cook. I love to hold parties. I love to host and make gifts for people, but it's a lot. <laughs> um, and so I will also say to our fans, um, this may be our last episode of the year. Um, depending on travel plans, uh, I know Riki and Sarah are planning to travel around the time when we normally record episodes. We may get one more episode in. We may, uh, we may not. So in which case, we'll probably go on a hiatus for a couple of weeks, either after this episode or after the next episode. But of course, uh, some some portion of the Star Wars Universe podcast people will be back for live coverage uh, or immediately after it drops coverage of the uh, Boba Fett, the eh, the Book of Boba Fett show. But in terms of Star Wars Rebels, we're we're working on the exact details, but we will be continuing Star Wars Rebels coverage. As uh, going forward, alongside the Boba Fett coverage, uh, we don't know the exact details of that, but um, so the point is, this may be the last episode of Rebels for the year. We may get one more, but after that, we'll take a hiatus for a couple of weeks until the new year. 
Uh, but so with all that out of the way, let's kind of talk about these episodes. Um, does what do you want to? We have a two-parter again. It's it's two episodes, but it's basically one story. We once again saw that to be continued at the end of the first episode. Uh, so does what do you want to read the description of the first part of this two-parter? Sure thing. Okay. Having barely escaped total destruction of the Rebel Cell Phoenix Squadron by Darth Vader, Ahsoka Tano sends the Ghost crew to locate a former military commander somewhere in the Silos system who has the knowledge of useful hideouts in the Outer Rim. The crew discover the commander to be former clone trooper bom, 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 Commander Rex, accompanied by Commander Wolf and Clone Commander <clears throat> Commander Gregor. Kanan is immediately hostile as soon as he found out about them being clones due to their role in Order 66, although Rex claims they removed their brain chips. Ezra negoci- negotiates with Rex for information relating to potential bases. In return, Gregor enlists them for a hunt by using Zeb as bait to catch an elusive Jupa. With the hunt successful, Rex holds up his end of the deal, but Sabine discovers that Wolf betrayed the ghost crew's location to the Empire. A skirmish with an Imperial probe damages the Phantom Shuttle. The crew is temporarily stranded with the clones waiting for an Imperial assault. To be continued. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Episode 2 of the Ark. The Empire tracks down the Lothal rebels to Salus. Uh, Admiral Constantine and Admiral Callus arrive at the Salus system to capture the Jedi. Rex gives the Lothal rebels a data chip containing all the Republic bases in the Outer Rim, along with a number of other things, pirate bases, things like that. Ezra tries to persuade the clones to join the Rebellion, but Rex and the clones instead offer to delay the Empire so the Lothal rebels can escape. Agent Callus commands the clones to hand over the rebels, but when Rex refuses, Callus arrives with three AT-ATs. There's also some TIE fighter combat, but we've got to skip over that. Taking advantage of a sandstorm and the Force, Kanan, Ezra, and the clones use their ATTE's main gun. That's kind of the, a walker that they have. Um, it's a lot shorter and squatter, but, you know, has some firepower too. They use the main gun to destroy one of the AT-ATs, AT-ATs. Meanwhile, Admiral Constantine is summoned away by Darth Vader. Instead of meeting him, the Admiral meets Fifth Brother, uh, who's yet another Inquisitor, who claims that he will succeed where Callus and Constantine have failed. The Lothal rebels prepare to leave on the Phantom, but Ezra's unwilling to leave Rex and the clones behind. Kanan, Ezra, and Zeb commandeer one of the AT-ATs, the AT-ATs, and turn its weapons on Callus's AT-AT, which Rex destroys with a critical hit. Callus flees the battle on a speeder. Hera returns to pick up the clones and the ghost crew. Returning to the rebel flotilla, the Lothal crew rebels and Rex reunite with Ahsoka. So what do you all think of these episodes? Clones. Clones. <laughs> so many clones. All the clones. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I don't... It, it was great. I love rebels. It was nice to see the clones again. It's really interesting seeing the um, interaction between Kanan and the clones and kind of getting more into his Order 66 feelings. We got a little bit of that in the previous arc. Yeah. Well, uh, this show, in addition to introducing great new characters and having and filling that gap in, in the timeline before A New Hope, really just hits on a lot of nostalgia for people who have watched the Clone Wars cartoon. And 
you know, obviously we got Ahsoka, but now to get Rex as well, like that that combination is just magical. And especially yeah. with Darth Vader being a prominent character on the Imperial side in this season, like that that's the three of them. That was the show, you know, with a little bit of Obi Wan riding animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And it's I think we talked about how before, but one of the things that makes Rebels work is that most of these characters are new characters. And so we don't have all this backstory that they have to live up to. And we also don't know where they're going to wind up in ways that like, you know, movies like Solo have it harder because you kind of know where that character is going to go. I really like what Rebels is doing of saying like, we're going to focus on new characters, but they still exist in the world with these other characters, you Mm -hmm. know, and we've gotten to meet some of them. And, and here, like, I think this has always been a real question for people. What happened to the clones after Order 66 and, you know, after that all ended? Um, this came long before Bad Batch. And, and, and it, there's a lot of little details here that, that really go deep into not just what happened to the clones, but to, to not just what happened to Rex and his friends, but to all the clones. Uh, like one little thing I noticed was at one point, uh, Callus and some of the other Imperial officers are talking and they mention, I think it's Callus and Constantine, which uh, it's not Constantine. I think it's Constantine or something like that. Um, but they mention that uh, they've got a message from a clone and someone else says, oh, I thought they'd all been decommissioned. And and then the other one says, well, yes, but we have kept hearing messages from this one. We thought he was just going crazy. <laughs> and, and to me, that's interesting. because what it tells us is the clones were decommissioned. They were kicked out of the military, but they weren't all killed as some thoughts were like they have been living out their natural lives wherever they are. Uh, at least that's my interpretation of this since he's saying they're decommissioned, but we're not surprised that they're still alive and sending us messages. Yeah. And that, like the one sending messages is Wolf who I think still has sort of visions of grandeur and like a- allegiance to the Republic, which is now the empire. Um, but cause, cause yeah, like uh, Wolf has been interpreting or intercepting, rather, messages from Ahsoka to Rex. Rex hasn't gotten any of them. Ahsoka mentions to the Rebels, like, yeah, I've tried contacting Rex a couple times, but he hasn't returned my calls, basically. Mm -hmm. So high school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's left me on red, I don't know. Um, But, yeah, to, to have Wolf out there being like, hey, Empire, I got some more hot tips for you, and them to just be like, oh, it's just this guy again, whatevs. Yeah. Is yeah, interesting. Maybe it's because they're on such a remote planet that they just don't think it's worth the effort to go and like get rid of them. Or mm-hmm. that like Wolf still showing allegiance to the Empire maybe makes them less harmful in mm-hmm. the Empire's eyes. I don't know. Cause we don't I mean, I don't know. We don't see clones much anywhere else. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, well I, 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 I I had just been kind of commenting on the general thing, but I think that's a good way to, to we can jump into uh, to Wolf's story first. Because I find him a very interesting character because, at least the way he explains it, his thought, and it kind of makes sense, is like, you know, we fought, for the, we fought in the war, the war ended terribly, we all put our lives at risk so many times, we're done. You know, and it seems his, his loyalty, it, it may be right to the Republic or the Empire, but what I got at least is his loyalty is first and foremost just to his brothers. You know, the three of them have this chance to live out their lives and go hunting for 
um, the the Dune Sand Snakes, which have somehow <laughs> made it to this planet, um, and he just doesn't want Rex or any of them to be at risk again. Yeah, and he's like constantly reporting to the Empire is sort of a way of just keeping their noses, their collective noses clean. Yeah, that that was kind of my sense, and also just kind of keeping like I think it's the. You know, if Ahsoka contacts Rex, she'll convince him to join some problem, you know, to get, get him into danger or something like that. Hmm. I thought Wolf got off crazy easy once they discovered <laughs> that he was doing this stuff. Because, um, like, not not only did they discover he's been reporting back to the Empire this whole time, presumably, but also that he informed on the the rebels location and said like i've got jedi right. here and then like rex was just kind of like wolf that's bad and he was like yeah you're right and we're like oh it's okay we're bros <laughs> <laughs> like what that that is not okay he needs a little like what okay i don't know that that blew my mind a little bit but i don't know maybe they are bros maybe it is okay mm-hmm. Well, we've talked about the loyalty of clones to each other, to their brothers. Mm -hmm. And it's been pointed out, like the Empire has uh, basically pointed out that stormtroopers, the conscripts, have loyalty to the Empire, first and foremost. And and that's mentioned several times across multiple series, I think, to contrast versus the clones' loyalty to each other, first and foremost. And, And that's why... You know, we saw in the Bad Batch, they make this changeover from a clone army to a conscript stormtrooper mm. army. Yeah, but I, yeah. I don't know. I guess for me, that would just make Wolf's actions all the more upsetting. Because, I well, don't know. I, yeah, I, I guess he's like protecting his brothers, but it's... I, mean, I, I agree know. that that plot point just kind of gets wrapped up <laughs> without yeah much sense. Yeah, well, especially from, like, Ezra and Kanan's perspective, right? Because they're just like, mm-hmm. this guy ratted us out. And they're like, oh, it's okay, I'll have a word with him. He says yeah. he's not going to do it again. I'm like, but, oh, okay, cool, uh, fine. But I, they, I, I do- oh, go ahead, Ricky. They also play Wolf and Gregor, especially, as these kind of broken soldiers with, with yeah. PTSD. And I think there's a certain amount of just kind of feeling bad for these old men and and what they've been through and forgiving them because that's like like you're just the war broke these people yeah what and especially because i feel like the show i did i did think it was fun it was i felt like the show did a very good job of making us in the audience feel sympathetic towards wolf i didn't think that i didn't fully believe that that canaan and and ezra would get over it so quickly Mm -hmm. yeah um and certainly, I, I admit, I, I was surprised that Wolf lived. I thought for sh- the very cliche of, like, Wolf did this terrible thing, so he's going to, like, give up his life to save everybody else would be the way they would resolve it. Um, but but kind of going to what you were just saying, talking about Riki, like, I, I definitely think that was the thing that came through loud and clear is not only that these were broken men, but that they've been, they, like, just as much as Kanan felt the, the clones had betrayed the Jedi, like, at the very beginning you know, Wolf feels like the Jedi betrayed the clones. And to me, I think it just kind of speaks to just how much Palpatine had managed to kind of muddy the waters behind this of leaving both sides feeling completely betrayed by the other. Um, and, and one thing I know, there's a couple of lines there where they talked about like, you know, our war is over. Um, uh, 
you know, Rex at one point says that the war left its scars on all of us. And to me, it was one of the most powerful parts of the of the show of the episode was talking about how uh, how much this war had hurt them all. And I spent a lot of the episode feeling kind of annoyed at Ezra. Because Ezra kept saying, no, it's okay. You all, you can fight with us. You can be, you can oh, still yeah. be useful. It'd be great. And I keep thinking about all the stuff from the Clone Wars of the soldiers being upset about the idea that all they're for is to fight, you know? And to me, what's beautiful about this is seeing these three men who've been able to say, we can have a life outside of fighting. And so then we get to the end and... Uh, Rex offers to fight and probably die so they can get away. And Rex says, we're soldiers, Ezra. This is what we were born to do. I don't know if this was intentional by the writers, but that kind of broke my heart for a minute because I just felt like, no, but like, it was awful that you were born to be fighters. And now you figure out you don't have to be, but now you're going back to it. Um, I don't know. Am I projecting too much here? Did you all get any of that as well? Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think I was upset at Ezra for recruiting so hard because i mean he wasn't around during the clone wars notice that either ezra because like he wasn't around during the clone wars right so he i don't think he has any sort of feelings or experience about that about he's just like this is this is what's happening right now and hey you guys used to be soldiers right you can come help us right um without kind of contextualizing that because i mean he just straight up wasn't around for it right um Whereas, yeah, I think what you're talking about, about Rex at the end saying, like, we're, we're soldiers, this is what we're meant to do. It did feel like a bit of a resignation almost, because, like, mm-hmm. you'd built your weirdo Howl's Moving Castle camper van, and, like, the three of you were <laughs> just much. palling around in the desert, but then you get, like, sucked back into it. So, I mean, like, in a way, there there is no escaping it. It is kind of what... Yeah. They were meant to do, I guess, and it is there is something really sad about that, I think. Yeah, I think it's I think there is a bit of sadness to it. And I'm glad that Rex is the only one at the end that the at the end of the two parter that goes along with them. Because uh-huh. I yeah, like in this in these episodes, Wolf and Gregor are just not ready to go back to combat in my opinion and i think rex also has ahsoka to go back to oh not like that (laughs) i mean they're pals i don't know but like i mean they they hug when they get when they meet again right it's like okay i mean the last time they met like i should all right I, i mean most of the time they were together rex was uh basically the equivalent of a person in his 30s or 40s and ahsoka was 10 or 12. So I, I, I see it much more as kind of like an uncle niece kind of a, you know, or a like, yeah, but in real age, it's, it's flipped. Huh? Cause he's a clone. He's a clone. Yeah. Yes. He's not actually that old. Yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, I thought, yeah, I think uncle niece is more, or like big brother, younger sister situation. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I think the age gap is maybe not as, as quite as large, but it's still like enough to be a little icky if they got together later in life right it's sort of a like monica and richard thing from friends where that was gross because he was a grown-ass adult and she was a toddler peeing in his pool and then they got together friends is a wild show everybody anyway um (laughs) i have no idea what you're talking about and i'm so glad i don't oh yeah (laughs) 
No one ever told you life was going to be this way. Um, <laughs> I just don't understand how they paid rent on that apartment doing the jobs they did. Oh, so anyway, they did. Yeah, they, they, it's, it's rent controlled. It's her grandmother. Anyway, okay, no. listen to my friend's, friend's podcast. podcast. <laughs> um, but yes, no, I, when they, I mean, when they hug at the end, like, I don't think they're about to start making out or anything, right? It's just mm-hmm. like old friends reconnecting. Um, yeah. And I do think that that was... A big motivation for Rex going back, learning that Ahsoka had been trying to contact him all this time, mm-hmm. and that Wolf had just been intercepting those messages, and that like I mean she was out there. I don't think Rex knew that Ahsoka was still alive. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So let's seg this, if that's okay, into who these people are. Yeah. Right, because we all know Captain Rex. He was a huge part of the Clone Wars. If you watch that show, he got when, promoted for- to commander. Let, let's even with seven. him. Let's take a minute for those who who didn't watch the Clone Wars, who maybe just been joining us for Rebels. Mm. So yeah, so Rex was he was kind of the the lead uh, rebel, uh, the lead clone soldier of the uh, division that Anakin was in, was was commanding. Yeah, and 501st. so he, the five hundred first, and so he, and he worked a lot with Anakin, and he at one point like when he talks about you know the Jedi who I knew who was just all these great superlative things, he's talking about Anakin. Which there's just kind of a wonderful ironic moment since mm-hmm. you know we know Darth Vader's now out there, and and he but and the, the two he worked most closely with were Anakin and Ahsoka, so I think that's why he has such a powerful resonance for those of us who know the Clone Wars TV show. Yeah, and I think Wolf we already mentioned. I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast or if we were just chattering beforehand. Um, as he's a, a, a background character that's quite popular. Well, so Wolf. But was the clone who worked closely with uh, Jedi Master Plo Koon, mm. and they frequently fought uh, fighter missions together. So he was a fighter pilot, and their clone group was called the Wolf Pack, because <laughs> right. you do that if someone is named Wolf. Um, so I believe in Revenge of the Sith, we get a scene where Master Plo Koon is shot down, like they are on a, in a fighter battle. And then the clone fighters pull back behind Plo and shoot him down. And there's a lot of chatter in Star Wars fandom about whether Wolf was the one who shot him down. And it's believed that he is not. So he might have been in that battle, but he was not directly responsible for, for Master Plo Koon's death. Right. Um, he also did, uh, he has a cybernetic eye uh, in this episode he lost that he lost his eye in a fight with asajj ventress mm-hmm. from the clone wars ventress is great. so also a thing here and and what about gregor gregor is kind of the wackiest one in this group <laughs> and um, also just like side note d bradley baker knocking it out of the park again as the voice of all these different clones mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's the most distinct voice with gregor just kind of a little like oh like i'm the crazy uncle um, but he here. was possibly the most effective of them during the war. He was like a commando. We saw him in the fifth season episode, I believe it's called Missing in Action, which was the droid arc that we hate with Mieber, <laughs> Gascon. Mm-hmm. When they, when the droids and Gascon get to this like kind of deserted town, not totally deserted, but kind of backwater town, they find Gregor working as a dishwasher in a restaurant because he has lost his memory of, of being a clone commando 
and then they they jog his memory and say like no this is who you were you're a commando you have to help us like blow up this rhydonium and escape from this planet which is being overrun by separatists and he actually had he has this very dramatic attack on the spaceport and helps the droids and gascon escape and like the spaceport blows up and we all i think at the time assumed he was dead right like a heroic death for gregor meanwhile you know he shows up here in the future and then they backfilled his story in the bad batch in an episode called war mantle where Mm -hmm. rex who has made contact with the bad batch after the war asks them to rescue this clone who has been taken captive at an imperial base and gregor was actually there as a clone trainer training the first generation of stormtroopers and then he realized what was going on that he was training their replacements and he defected and tried to escape was captured and then the bad batch goes in and rescues him um so that like we get this whole like three-part gregor arc across (laughs) three different shows and it's very interesting i went back and watched that episode and he's like in between the very effective clone commander Gregor and the the crazy uncle Gregor. Like there's the hints of the Gregor voice coming through. So again, played very well, this subtle shift in his personality and his voice. And, and he talks about getting blown up. And so that may have affected him, you know, as it does. (laughs) Certainly the show, like they're all sort of like crotchety old uncles, but he's definitely the like, let's go play with fire works kids kind of guy you know very Um, eccentric yeah well yeah Yeah, he's the one that recruits them for the 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 juba hunt yes yeah Yeah, it is which is a great scene for me i don't know for me it was reminiscent of jaws the original jaws just the way that they go about it and the way that this rickety walker is getting dragged by the by the giant worm it's also i mean we're mostly talking about the clones here it's a great moment, I thought, for Zeb because, mm-hmm. you know, oh, Zeb winds up, is put out as bait. And, and this guy, Gregor, is like, nah, you'll be fine. You'll just get a little digested. You, you can fight your way out. And Zeb is uh, understandably quite upset about this until he kind of realizes that Gregor is his kind of crazy, you know. And they and then they quickly become kind of best buddies once yeah. Gregor is like, oh, yeah, you did it. You were great, you know. It's like, and it's, I was great. Yeah. And now we're going to eat this thing. He's like, all right, we're going to eat yeah. this thing. <laughs> It's fun seeing those two like really connect on that level, and by the end, Zeb is kind of their best best bud. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Zeb would fit right in on that mm-hmm. little Walker yeah. caravan situation they got going on. There's another connection between this episode and Bad Batch that I want to get into, but let's just kind of Ooh. go a little bit further on the clones and see if there's anything else we want to get into there, because I I think it's a the episodes are a really good way of exploring like what's happened to the clones since Order sixty six all the PTSD stuff we talked about. Um, I really just loved getting to see how deep these tensions are still between the clones and the Jedi and, and on both sides. Um, and, and even though that, because remember we talked during the clone wars about how the clones were kind of brainwashed into thinking that the Jedi were always good and right and pure and their leaders. And that's why the betrayal on both sides hurt so much. Mm. And we get just a little reminder of that, of uh, at the end when uh, Ezra and Clan come, 
when Ezra and crew come back and they sort of do this great Jedi force leap onto the top of the uh, AT-AT to save it, Gregor looks up and goes, just like the old days, Mm. you know? And it's like, the Jedi were the ones who completely got them into this dangerous mess, but he's just seeing them do cool Jedi things and and come to the rescue, and so he's still right back to that hero worship. And I was just it it it, it just hit me in the heart again because a like oh yeah this is like there's a real connection there, but also yeah this is what the clones were taught to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and even like their their plan is like we're gonna go into this sandstorm, and then you're gonna use the Force to sense them, to sense yeah. the, the the these walkers, the ATATs. Um, and because, you know, you can use the force and you can do that and you're going to do that and then you're going to know exactly where they are and then we can shoot them and that's great. Um, and <laughs> like Kanan and Ezra are both a little like weary of this plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't I don't know if we can do this. Ezra especially. And the clones are just like, nah, you're Jedi. You can do it. Jedi are superheroes. And yeah. like, they're not necessarily wrong. But yeah, that whole hero worship thing comes roaring right back so i want to mention real quick in this episode they talk about order 66 and then i think rex is the one who says like we removed our chips Mm -hmm. we didn't betray our jedi right and this this episode came out before uh clone war season seven which wraps up with the whole rex ahsoka thing and and order 66 happening around them and we see that I don't like he kind of betrays her, and then she removes the chip for him, right? So there, yeah. there is some contention in fandom about the accuracy of this line. And then, like I said, Commander Wolf, we're not sure if he was actually present in that battle where Plo Koon is shot down and what his role in that right. was. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like. Were you Wolf and you did shoot down your commander and then later removed your chip? I, I don't know if he he might just be like, yeah, I didn't betray my Jedi. Yeah, it's fine. My chip's gone now. Don't worry about it. I I, I think it would make for an interesting one shot or something like that to see you know what happened yeah. with Commander Wolf, like what his role was mm-hmm. in Order sixty six. Yeah. I I feel that- like. I feel like in both the last season of Clone Wars and in Bad Batch, they make this issue a lot more complicated in ways I like that I feel like this episode, it, it's the one part of this episode I didn't love. Especially the way Rex says that, because what's happening is Kanan and Ezra are talking about what happened, and Kanan's telling this harrowing story, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, and, and I think Kanan says, you know, they, or, or one of the two of them says, like, it, you know, they were controlled, they didn't have a choice. And Rex overhears that and says, you know, no, the, th- the three of us removed our chips. And then he says, there's always a choice. And I sort of felt like it, it felt kind of like what he was saying was that they removed their chips before, you know, that the, they kind of chose not to go along with Order 66 and to remove the chip instead. And, and that really doesn't line up with what we learn in later episodes. And so I, I was just like, yeah, OK, that that line doesn't fit. And I'm kind of happy that they kind of retconned that out. Yeah, or I mean, at the very least, like, shaming the rest of the clones for having their chips still, and somehow implying that, like, they could have, they could have just tried harder, could have just pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and not, like, gone with their brainwashing, which is obviously not how it works. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's, it's a bit of a weird line for sure. Yeah. But yeah, like we don't mention, this was pre- 
season seven, mm-hmm. pre Bad Batch, yeah. all that stuff. So let's talk about uh, Kanan for a second, because I also and here I'll, I'll start by just tying it into the Bad Batch. One of the things I think we talked about when doing coverage of the Bad Batch is that it, sometimes there's a greatness of you fill in a detail later that means when you go back and watch something else, it makes that thing that already happened that much more powerful. The first time I watched the Rebels and I heard Kanan talk about, you know, you know, lose watching his mentor get cut down by the clones. And he's saying to Ezra, you know, you don't understand. You weren't betrayed by them. It was powerful. But now having seen that betrayal actually happen in Bad Batch to young Kanan, it just uh, it just hit me so much harder. Yeah, definitely. Um <laughs> And I mean, I, I really appreciated having Freddie Prince Jr. as a voice in Bad Batch. I know that that wasn't loved by everyone. Um, but yeah, getting getting to see it happen and then hearing about, you know, Kanan recalling it in Rebels and having something sort of concrete to go back to definitely, I think, adds more power to it. And again, like, I like how they did it in that they didn't negate anything that came before it right like it's -hmm. always tricky when sort of doing these flashbacks and filling in these details to like accidentally create some sort of inconsistency or like paradox right whereas this i think just like filled in nicely all this this trauma that kanan's been talking about through throughout rebels the um bad batch season did was it the season opener Mm -hmm. yeah okay that's how it starts yeah yeah because it's Hunter who lets young Caleb Doom escape. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that leads to the conflict with Crosshair initially. Yeah, because Crosshair yeah. is just like good <clears throat> soldiers follow orders, what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Bad Batch is so good. If you haven't seen Bad Batch, go watch it. Really Batch. It really is. It really is. And even just beyond that one moment, I, I just really liked seeing Kanan having a lot of these very un-Jedi emotions of he still has a lot of bitterness. He still has a lot of fear. He has an innate distrust against the clones. And I think all of it is completely understandable, but all of it's the kind of thing that like master Yoda would like yell at him to get rid of. Um, but here we're seeing that he's a good Jedi, even though he still has all of this. Yeah. I don't know if modern Yoda would have yelled at him, but definitely like Senate leader Yoda mm. totally mm-hmm. would have modern Yoda would probably be really excited for the jupa hunt yes (laughs) yes yeah i last jedi yoda i think yoda even of like training luke would have would have said like these emotions don't serve you well kanan sure let me beat you with a stick Mm -hmm. um (laughs) yeah yeah Ugh. but yes yeah 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 Yeah. uh any other last things on kanan or should we talk about the other uh jedi we get to see a lot of in this episodes or some of at least because uh, Ahsoka is the other one I was going to mention. Ahsoka, I, I, think, okay. I think some interesting character beats we get from Ahsoka, especially it, it's such a small thing, but you know, they're going back to find Rex. You'd think she would be all over this because she and him were so close, but she says, "I can't. I have to follow up on this lead about the Sith Lord." Mm-hmm. Well, and also, like she reveals that he's been ghosting her, so I feel like fair. Maybe she doesn't want to go mm-hmm. see him, right? She doesn't know yeah. that. He hasn't been getting her messages. She thinks he's just dodging her. I, I think it's possible. My sense is something though that the the search for the Sith Lord is a big, big part of it for her. 
Yeah. Yo, definitely, right? Because that's like that's Anakin. Right. Well, that, that, do you think she knows it's Anakin? Yeah, I think point? she doesn't want to admit to herself that she knows it's Anakin, but I think she knows it's Anakin. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, know. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably true. Uh, and then the last kind of fun thing to bring up is we get a little bit more of Imperial politics. We're seeing more. Uh, in some ways, Constantine and Callus are kind of working together to somewhat. But then at the very end, we find out that uh, Constantine was, was pulled away to meet up with a shuttle out of which we, th- we think is going to be Vader, but instead is another Inquisitor. Um, I don't think he's named this in this episode, but we better find out this character is named the fifth brother. And he's once again sort of saying, Callus isn't doing it right. You're not doing it right. I'm taking over. Yeah, don't... When Constantine is pulled away, I think it's it's either implied or like said directly, like this is a direct command from Vader because he's like, I'm here to wait for Callus. I'm providing air support to Callus so we can catch these Jedi. And I mean, the only reason really that Callus fails so hard is that like he doesn't have his backup waiting for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's implied like this is a direct order from Darth Vader. Do it now or perish probably. So, I mean, it feels a little like MacGuffin-y, but. Mm-hmm. It's very mcguffin I, I, I mean, the whole purpose of, the Inquisitors is to get the Jedi and you have the Star Destroyer stationed above a planet where you have the Jedi trapped. Mm. Like, why why are you pulling the Star Destroyer away to to meet this shuttle? Which, which, the, the shuttles have hyperdrive. So <laughs> where are they meeting and why? Yeah. Like, it, it is completely... Just a nonsensical plot point, in my opinion. Yeah, almost so much that I thought, like, oh, is Chopper somehow sending in this fake message? But no, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's genuine. I, it was a MacGuffin, but I, I guess I was kind of happy to... I, I was okay ignoring it, because I, mm-hmm. to me the main interesting thing is that we now have a new Inquisitor back. Yeah, and I think <clears> it also <throat> is is necessary because then we don't... We continue seeing Callus as, like, competent just in a rough situation, right? That the Jedi are barely besting him. But Callus is still, like, on his game. He's good at his job. He's just kind of meeting these these insurmountable obstacles. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if he had his, his back up there and they still got away, then it would be kind of like, okay, Callus, you're not only are you not getting the job done, but you're actually bad at your job. We're starting to yeah. see the cracks, mm. though, in Agent Callus. Because at the end, after his walker is destroyed, he's like, get to the speeders. And he speeds off on a speeder bike. And then, like, behind him, he leaves one of his troopers just kind of running. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's... I think that is a, like, self-centeredness and cowardice in Callus that maybe we are not used to seeing. I mean, we did see him kick someone off into a pit to die yeah, I don't... because he made a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, that's just like ruthless. Yeah. A distaste. I of get puns. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I don't. I don't necessarily think it's like a cowardice. I think it's maybe it is cowardice. It's like a he needs to perform and he needs to get stuff done. And I think he feels like the fire under his butt that he's got to start showing results. Yeah. But but. Like I said, leaving the trooper behind because, like, you can ride two yeah. on a speeder bike. Yeah, but then the other guy's gonna like weigh you down, <laughs> and also, 
But what it, if he starts making bad to puns? To me, it reminded me a lot of cartoons from the 80s, like Transformers mm-hmm. and um, Inspector Gadget, where at the end, the villain is always like speeding off yeah. and like shaking their fist. <clears throat> and, and it had that kind of vibe of like, he's just, he's in, in the past, like, He's had the rebels on the run and mm-hmm. they've escaped, mm-hmm. and he's like shake their fi- shakes shakes his fist at them I- as they're <clears throat> flying away, and now here, he's the one who's speeding off, and maybe it's because now we have Rex. We certainly have seen uh, General Grievous do this, where he would like literally like take cl- take other uh, droids oh, yeah. and throw them at the the Jedi to sort of <laughs> give himself a chance to escape. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. And I, also, I I think it's nice that we have an Inquisitor back because to me, kind of what it says is like, we're still going to have this dark side force using group chasing our heroes, <clears throat> but also that like they know to mostly keep Vader off screen. You know, I think it's been great seeing Vader yeah. do Vader things, but if you have that happen too much, he's going to lose his appeal. He's going to lose his mystery. Yeah. Vader's the big boss. And we've got to go through a whole bunch of mini bosses Mm, before we can actually get to him. Yeah. And and as you mentioned, this Inquisitor is the fifth brother because there are going to be other Inquisitors with numbers and sibling Yeah. We were introduced to second sister and ninth sister in Fallen Order, the video game. Was that before Mm -hmm. this or after this? Probably after, after. actually, thinking about it. But yes, yeah, yeah, this this naming convention. And I think... In season one, they only refer to him, the that Inquisitor as the Inquisitor, mm-hmm. but I believe we're going to get some retcon here in, in, a, in a couple episodes where he's called the Grand Inquisitor, so it's implied that he was the right. leader of this Which this Which will always a little bit bother me because I love the, to me, the Grand Inquisitor I'm always going to think of as um, one of the great stories from the Brothers Karamazov, which is a fantastic Russian philosophical novel um, by Do- Dostoevsky, <clears throat> but Anyway, that's a whole other thing entirely. Uh, any other kind of last comments people want to bring up? I've come <laughs> on one or two other things, but I want to hear from you all if there's other last little bits you wanted to mention. I mean, we could talk about Dostoevsky. I'm down with that. <laughs> friends and then Dostoevsky. Uh-huh. Go together hand in hand. It's great. Yeah. Crime and punishment well, and friends. Um, <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned Admiral Constantine. Mm-hmm. I, so I don't know. It might be an accent thing again, but I I think it's Constantine. But maybe that's just me wanting to project that it's he's cooler than he actually is. Yeah. When we also like re we we have the subtitles on and it's spelled Constantine, but it could be pronounced differently. Mm-hmm. But he is definitely like not. A, I mean, he's an admiral, but he's not really like the military genius. You know, like yeah. Callus is presented as. And I think, like, that's what's going on here is they are showing him to be kind of, like, incompetent, right? Like, he's he's giving up this, this post that he is manning to go meet this Inquisitor. And like I said, it makes zero sense. And I think that is part of what is being played out in this episode is, like, that he's not a military guy. And he's there for his his own skin and the politics of it. Yeah. I mean, it might be. <clears throat> oh, this is just like an aside. Um, is this the? It's not your fault, but Vader won't know that guy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Is that is that from an episode we've already watched? Is that these the, these episodes we've been watching ahead? I'm sorry. Uh, when did I 
think that was in the previous one. Okay. Yeah, okay. no, that definitely was. Yeah, right. so it's that, yeah, what you're talking about is in the last arc, when Vader goes off solo in his TIE fighter and just, like, beats up Phoenix Squad, and then the Star Destroyers show up. Uh, oh, they, and they, they trap him in that? They yeah. evacuate Phoenix home, I think, was the, the flagship, mm-hmm. uh, because it's going to blow up. And they escape, like the ghost is escaping, mm-hmm. Vader's chasing them, and then they try to tractor beam the ghost Yeah, in between two Star Destroyers, and they accidentally tractor beam Vader Whoops. as he's yeah. chasing them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yes, Admiral Constantine is the one who tells the tractor beam operator, it's not your fault. And he's like, whew! Da, da, dot, 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 but Lord Vader won't know that, implying <laughs> that he's throwing that guy under the bus. Oh, Again, yeah. just like playing the the political hand Mm. Mm -hmm. exactly this guy yeah yeah so yeah i think that's what's being set up with these these little moments with with a kind of minor character but interesting Mm -hmm. and i think part of what it's also getting at is that and again the the novels the thrawn novels that i've talked about the that happen concurrently to this go into more detail on this but i think the show is showing it to us as well is that from the perspective of the empire and the imperial military what's happening on lothal is fairly low level you know like the defeat of the the phoenix squadron and of the 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 central warship of Ermo sato 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 of Ermo sato's uh you know armada that's a much bigger deal you know chasing down senator mon mothma those are the big deals it, the tension here though is that even though this is a fairly small you know just one group of rebels there's Jedi involved. So the Inquisitor cares. Darth Vader cares far more than the Imperial military cares. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of part of the tension we're seeing here, which I really like. And we've had some, um, like, is it Tua who maybe implied that there's more to Lothal than than meets the eye? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's still relatively low level. Not 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 the Tatooine backwater planet where everything secretly is happening all the time, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, in the grand scheme of things, relatively unimportant. Yep, very true. But you've had Tarkin visit. Mm-hmm. You've had Vader visit. So yeah, I mean, there's stuff's a, there's, happening. Yeah, they got they got stuff going on. Yeah, a couple of small things that I noticed that I thought were really cool. Um, we got to see an Imperial probe droid, the same kind of droid that we'll see on Hoth um, many years later slash many years before mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> in the movies. Also, um, I don't know how intentional this was or just because this is the way I think, but that whole scene where they're all um, – all these walkers are moving around in the sandstorm and they can't see each other, mm. it felt to me very much like a submarine battle or uh, to me the sci-fi movie where it's like a spaceship's trying to – it is a spaceship submarine battle movie is Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And, like, I don't know if you all know that movie well. It's one of my favorites. But there's a couple scenes, especially of, like, the static on the screens because they can't quite see each other. And the shots of the, like, sensors on the different, like, walkers were very much resembling of that. Uh, is that a movie you all know or a genre of movies you all know that you caught on? Benedict Cumberbatch, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, me? You got, you got yeah. No. I, 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 <sighs> yes, we're familiar with Wrath of Khan. I, Riki more so than me, but yeah. I've seen both versions. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, now that you mention it, definitely some like Hunt for Red October vibes going on. Yeah. Um, especially with like the force trying to sense them out, sort of like looking, listening for that sonar ping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally see that. I didn't, I didn't think of it at the time, but yeah, now that you pointed it out, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the one thought thing I noticed, and we may have seen this before, but for some reason, this is the episode where I really kind of put it together. The helmet that Callus wears, it makes him look a lot like Magneto. From the oh, like the most yeah. recent X Men movies, you know, and I think actually from the comics, where he's got like his face is showing, but like this metal that comes down, and I, I'm gesturing with my hands to explain this, which makes for terrible radio. But um, yeah, if you've seen it, <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of a Magneto look. I don't know if it's intentional. Yeah, it's in the shape of his mutton chops. <laughs> yeah, it's like he goes to his barber yeah. and he's just like, "Do you want to take your helmet off, sir?" And he's like, "Nope, cut around it." <laughs> but that's what I mean. That's part of why Callus remains a beloved antagonist is that he puts on the helmet and he goes out in the field and he mm-hmm. fights with his troops. Right, like that's what people like about villains like this. He's not like versus Constantine, who's like, "Oh, like I'm just gonna put her off and." Pick up this uh, Inquisitor. Yeah, chuck chuck my soldiers under the bus. Yeah. 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 So, Callus, despite his defeat here and, and speeding off, uh, remains remains the goaded villain. Mm-hmm. Yep. Any of the last things you all picked up on or wanted to mention or ask about? I, I want to mention kind of the um, putting aside of Hera. In these episodes. Yeah. So when they first get to the planet, there's some kind of like technical techno babble problem on the ship that she stays behind with Chopper to repair. The Star Destroyer shows up, so they have to power down, which doesn't make any sense because she's like, (laughs) Chopper, I'm going to have to turn you off too, but I'm going to leave the life support on parentheses, which they can't sense. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. This keep, is a keep pet ranting. Peeve of mine. Keep ranting. This I know. This is a pet peeve of mine about powering down because they power down like three PO as well. Sure, but right. the ship is running on life support. That takes power. It, okay, turning off life support doesn't instantly suck all the oxygen out of the room. No, but it's gonna get real cold. Sure, real fast. I, I mean, but to me, this is a this is the thing that happens so often in science fiction. And yeah, this is not science fiction; it's space opera. But you know, in in this realm of storytelling, and I think of like Star Trek as the all-time king of it, but Star Wars does it too, where you want to create a tension that the technology you've invented makes irrelevant, so you have to find a way to break the tension, break the technology. You know, mm-hmm. like half of Star Trek episodes are about the warp core not working, or the transporter not working, or the holodeck malfunctioning, or something like that. I right. feel like yeah. Star Wars does kind of the same thing, like. We don't, there's no such thing as ammo in a laser cannon until it matters that we might run out of ammo. You know, there's yeah. no oh. such thing as fuel. I love Last Jedi so much, but there's no such thing as fuel for a starship until, you know, you suddenly need enough fuel yeah. for a hyperspace jump. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the pilot episode of Star Trek Voyager, where they get stranded in the Delta Quadrant, they mention how many photon torpedoes they still have. <laughs> And there's a great YouTube video that just cuts every single time that they fire a, a photon torpedo in the course of the series. And it's much more, obviously, than the number that they say. In that uh-huh. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I'm watching like that, that show and they like, they use the replicator to create a new shuttle. So yeah, I feel like they can fire. replicate some phantom torpedoes, but it's, it's yeah, it, it, it makes absolutely no sense. 
Yeah, okay. and, and, like, yeah. and like their hollow deck runs off a different type of energy, so it's okay to have an entire town that people can like go screw off to and, and every time don't worry about it. Yeah. But but my point about Hera <laughs> yeah. was I think from a plot perspective, they left her behind so that Kanan would be the lead mm. of the rebels on the planet, so that there would be more tension with him and the clones. Yeah. I think if Hera's there, she would be able to counterbalance him more. And be able right. to say, hey, calm calm the heck down. Yeah. Well, well I mean, she's that, been... Uh, okay, isn't that a constant that most of the time, like, she always stays on the ship when they go on away missions? Because she's the pilot? Yeah, she's the pilot. So she's like the, the oracle, to make a Batman reference, um, in, in a way. But yeah, I mean, she's also, I mean, has, has always been telling Kanan to calm the heck down. Re <laughs> yeah. fighting in wars, clones anything he gets hot-headed about um so so yeah like having her i mean I, I don't necessarily think that having her on the planet with the clones would have been that different it is just like a lot of characters so to like have two conveniently mm-hmm. hang out um yeah is 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 probably just easier to deal with plot wise especially when you have three more main ish characters for this episode Mm-hmm. Coming in, and yeah, Hera, the pilot, and Chopper, her droid, being the ones who stay behind, I think just make logical sense. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mind it, other than the the powering down part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which you <laughs> definitely didn't complain about while we were watching it at all. <laughs> I, I complained about it too to myself while watching. Really? It, so I, yeah, I don't it, know. It like I get it, but it's it it's. It's one reason why I, I prefer shows that just never create, like, this endless technology. Like, I, mm. I, I've i often talked about how I think Orville is the best Star Trek show to come out since DS9. Because <laughs> um, it is 100% a Star Trek show. It's much more a Star sure. Trek show, I think, than, like, than some of the newer ones. But um, it, it's they, – they very intentionally don't have transporter technology or some of the other things mm. that just make so little logical sense as to why so many things are issues. Yeah. I think my biggest uh, issue, not – life support needing to be shut down i can deal with that is that ships don't scan for life forms apparently there you go that's the thing that i find <laughs> weird because like that would that would be the thing that you'd maybe want to scan for i don't know i'm yeah. not a soldier yeah. like heat signatures sure yeah yeah, yeah I, I guess you could have like unmanned aircraft that my big problem, my main but... thing about the powering down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that specifically turning off droids Yes. <laughs> and, and, like, the idea that the droids give off more power than the life support. She turned off life support, too. It's fine. No. The oxygen's still there. Yeah. It's very well insulated. No, um, but I, then I, she does, like, she briefly, she powers them up, and she's like, Chopper, you gotta run in low power, and then also do stuff. And we get lovely, sassy Chopper moments where he's, like, on power. low power. Screw mm-hmm. you, lady. And she's like, go do your job. Like, ah. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I think it's probably a good place to wrap up. Um... Sarah and Riki, what what are you all up to that people might want to check out? Um, I I have updated my Etsy store. I've been threatening to. Um, so if you want to check out various holiday gift options, mm-hmm. ha- lovingly handcrafted, uh, you can go to etsy.com slash shop slash Hayashi Ceramics. Um, stuff will be updating between probably like now and yeah, I'd say like the 16th, 17th of December. Cool. 
You I'm can looking find now. Me. I'm looking at ceramic pumpkins and porcelain Christmas ornaments. Oh, yeah. All kind of cr- cool there things. There you go. Yeah, the pumpkins are a little out of season, but you know, maybe you've got someone who uh, who enjoys the spooks and or gourds. Yeah. Oh. You can find me on Twitter at Wikipedia Go, where I will rant about other incongruities. Actually, one of mine currently is on live action shows, empty coffee cups oh and gosh. pizza boxes. Which people, which people carry around, you know, just willy-nilly tipping them over. He'll pause TV shows to point this out. So That's I'm going to say on behalf of Sarah, on behalf of my <laughs> partner, on behalf of um, Jacob Malicic, his partner, on behalf of the partners of many of the people who go deep on these kind of things, fans, if you interact with us on Facebook, if you interact with us on Twitter, if you interact with us in any of these places... We don't have to badger our partners about all of our theories on this. <laughs> and you're going to add to the relationship and marital health of all of us. So please talk to us on Twitter. Talk to us on Facebook. Tell us your thoughts on this. Help us have healthy relationships into the new year. Uh, for The Ethical Panda, my creations, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, um, by searching for The Ethical Panda. You can find uh, you can go directly to theethicalpanda.com, our website. Of course, you can email us at theethicalpanda at gmail.com. Uh, I mentioned, and also uh, theethicalpanda.com, the website, is where you'll find the survey that I've mentioned. Please take a moment to fill that out. It will really help. Of course, if you want to join the Patreon, um, one of the reasons I'm doing the survey is to kind of revamp the Patreon. So please feel free to check out the Patreon now, but know that starting, hopefully, at the beginning of the new year, I'm going to have a whole new way of doing things with the Patreon, hopefully some new ideas about uh, rewards and, and levels and things like that. So please do check that out. Um and again, though, thank you again so much to the, the folks who have just signed up. It's so good to have your support and those who have stayed supporters. Uh, you help keep the lights on. You help keep the sound on. It is so appreciated. So uh, I have myself, Sarah, Riki. Thank you all so much for all you're doing and have a great day. Yay. Oh, 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 oh.